tell me about maple syrup. <laughs> now you're talking about my passion. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Welcome back to the Interview Podcast on the Wine Millbank Podcast Network. I'm Craig Weinberg, sitting in studio in Millbank, South Dakota, um, and in the continuation of our of our conversations, kind of centered around the uh, the, the 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 new year, um, 2020, the COVID response, uh, and how that's affected people around the country and around uh, the world, perhaps. Um, I'm pleased to welcome to the show uh, a friend of mine that I met several years ago. We did some work together uh, and have grown to be um, friends at some level. Um, I call him a friend. Uh, Mark Dieterding is with us. Welcome to the show, Mark. Craig, it's great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Um, Thanks for taking the time. I know you have a little bit of a tight schedule. You're running away from the cold north today. (laughs) Got to do it. <laughs> I guess we'll we'll let it slide this time. Yeah. Um, you uh, briefly kind of give us an idea of what you do, um, as a as a job, and your yeah. career. Sure. So I have a company called Triune Leadership Services, and as part of that, I'm a uh, basically a servant leadership development consultant if you will, as well as an executive coach. So that plays out in a couple different ways. Uh, one, the executive coaching is pretty self-explanatory. I work with senior leaders, um, you know, wherever they're at around the country that are raising their hand and just saying, I wanna have you help me accelerate my progress towards where I wanna get. Mm-hmm. And uh, oftentimes they do have an interest in servant leadership is why you know, they probably uh, found me, uh, if you will. And then the other ways that plays out is working directly with organizations and uh, leaders in really teaching them uh, a model that I kind of developed as as I looked at Jesus as how he led, um, you know, and it's a model of servant leadership. And I help people into, you know, seeing what that looks like, how that plays out on a day-to-day activity, uh, both at their workplace and within their uh, personal lives as well, within their families. Uh, so I do that and work with senior leadership teams and organizations, helping them to institutionalize that culture of servant leadership. Mm. And then I also have a, um, a leadership roundtable groups that I run every year on an annual basis that basically is taking uh, leaders from anywhere, really, from any number of companies around the country now that we do it via Zoom, um, but who want to really learn about the specific model of leading Jesus way and what that looks like. And that's basically a seven session encounter, two hours a piece where people um, sign on and uh, really commit to, you know, driving an understanding of that type of leadership. Yeah. Now you, uh, your website is triuneleadershipservices.com. That's correct. Uh, yeah. And you have a book out uh, called Leading Jesus Way. Is that, is that correct? That is correct. I wrote that book uh, about... Uh, it's been five years ago now. Uh, really, people were <clears throat> wanting to say, hey, Mark, I, I think this message needs to be able to be transferable above and beyond just your capacity <laughs> to be in front of people. And so they really pushed me to write a book, even though I'm not an author. I never claim to be an author, but I do have, <laughs> I actually have a couple of books now. One's called A Model of Servant Leadership and one Leading Jesus Way, which is the 
main, uh, you know, curriculum, if you will, mm -hmm. of how to step into that model of servant leadership. Um, give us a little backgrounder into you and your, uh, your coming of, uh, your understanding into this idea. Like what did it take for you, um, to learn these leadership principles and to like, and to implement them and then to figure out that, you know, I'm not the only one that needs this. Other people do too. Uh, what was that journey like? So uh, that's a great question, Craig. I spent 35 years in the printing industry uh, in long run web offset printing and working for a couple of the largest printers in the world, actually, uh, publicly held organizations and just had the opportunity to lead at um, some pretty high levels. I mm -hmm. got cast into uh, some spots early on that were probably above and beyond my capability. Um, and I knew early on I had to lean into something other than my own God-given uh, skills and abilities. <laughs> and uh, so that was the Lord, really. I mean, I looked at uh, some models that I'd had early on for sure, but uh, really looked at how Jesus at. And so um, when I when when I decided to step out of uh, the corporate world, I had had the opportunity to lead thousands of people. I was leading, uh, you know, about a billion dollars worth of sales wow. uh, in the organization and the total operations for, um, you know, one of those printers, uh, the Bont Corporation at the time. Uh, and so I just really able to learn by trial and error, right? I mean, in uh, what I thought was right and had some uh, mentors that I would say taught me how to not lead, mm -hmm. uh, how I didn't want to lead, and some really, really great mentors on how to lead. And another big key step in that, Craig, was um, at one of the stops along the way, I really engaged with Ken Blanchard and his uh, leadership development company, uh, which really framed up my understanding of how to be uh, intentional about driving a specific culture that you want to drive within an organization. Mm -hmm. And that really helped me a lot with what I do today. And uh, Ken is just a phenomenal leader. I learned so much of him from leadership too. He wrote a book called Lead Like Jesus and uh, really learned a lot. And I, I was honored. He, he wrote um, kind of the uh, uh, on the an endorsement on the back cover of my book hmm. uh, because he, you know, felt really, really good about, uh, you know, what the content was and on leadership. So just having great mentors along the way and the opportunity to work with people and really a heart for people. I mean, my heart has always been to help people to achieve their dreams and their goals and to help them to really come together and uh, understand what significant leadership looks like. Um, and so that was fun, uh, you know, working up through organizations to uh, really do it. But then to your point, I thought 10 years ago, actually in late 2010, um, I had some local business leaders ask me if I would be open to basically teaching uh, servant leadership to the local senior leaders in our community. And um, just because they, you know, I'd never really worked locally. I'm always flying all over the country, you know, to all the areas that I had responsibility for and never really right here locally. So they just asked me if I would be willing to invest in some local leaders at the time. And I did that. And holy cow, I just found it so rewarding. I mean, it resonated with the leaders. They found it very helpful. And I just absolutely loved it. When you get the opportunity to work with people that are raising their hand and saying, I want to 
become a better leader. I want to be a servant leader, mm-hmm. you know, on behalf of the people that I'm working with. Um, will you help me do that? I just really had a blast with that to the point where after that first year of leadership roundtable, I said, yes, I do want to do this, um, you know, basically as a career. I mean, really just step out of that corporate world and just invest into leaders. And so I did that. And uh, that's when I got my coaching certification through the International Coaching Federation and Coach University, uh, because I knew I wanted to work with people one on one and be legitimate as a coach. Um, So got that training and just um, combined all those things together and wrote a lot of curriculum and uh, put together just a lot of different training uh, packages, programs and things like that. And it's just taken off from there. And it's just been uh, just a nonstop uh, blessing uh, for me to be able to have the opportunity to work with these great leaders. Uh, briefly, if it's possible, um, take the uh, the concept of leading Jesus way and what it means and kind of give us the a, a snapshot of just a, a piece. Why is it so important that Jesus is the model that you want to use in your training? Yeah, well, the reason for that is I believe Jesus is the ultimate uh, master servant leader. I mean, when you think about an individual who took a senior leadership team of 12 people and turned that into a following of 2.3 billion folks, uh, there's some significant leadership going on there. Uh, And there's probably, I, I mean, no more influential person in the world. I mean, it doesn't matter what your faith is. You think about influential people um, you know, in the world, I, Jesus comes to the top of the mind. I mean, what are the two most celebrated holidays, um, that, you know, in the world? It's, you know, his birth and his death and <laughs> resurrection. So, um, I mean, tons of influence. And so just really looking at that and saying, okay, here's somebody that had a huge amount of success. How did he go about doing that? Mm. And what did that look like? And that's why I really based it on, uh, on Jesus just being that ultimate model. Because at the end of the day, I mean, I, if I would stand up and say, this is my model, I mean, how much credence would that have? Yeah, I, I had the opportunity to work with <laughs> a few thousand people and that type of thing, but who cares, right? In comparison to right. the master. Yeah. Um, as you've kind of... Um moved through this over the last few years you know you've you've been 10 years ago so 2010 2011 um that's kind of the beginning of this journey into coaching leadership teams um around the region and the country uh, how different is it like in in let's forget 2020 for a minute we'll go there in a second but prior to 2020 um what was the the um uh the the feeling of the corporate world, like what kind of people, what did it take for them to get and say, you know what, we need to, we need to rethink some of these things. We need to, to do a different kind of leadership model. What, what did that look like across the board? So the interesting thing about that is that anytime that you ask a group of people to describe the type of leader they like working for, or another way to put it is who's your favorite boss and Mm -hmm. what are their attributes? People will always 100% of the time describe servant leadership. They'll never use that term, but they will describe (laughs) the things that servant leaders do. Mm. The problem is when you look at the world, that is really a minority. The lion's share of the world has run for a long, long time on a positional authority 
hierarchy type leadership, that that's how you get things done, that that's how it works. And so, so many people have come up through that, that they think that's what it looks like. But when they get exposed to the possibility of, or they have the opportunity to work for a servant leader that really does care first and foremost about people and the recognition that people are what's going to drive the profitability, the success of an organization. Mm -hmm. And if you focus on the greater good of people, you won't have to worry about the profitability, the performance, those types of things. They get the chance to work for that. And it's like, whoa, that is really fantastic. And only a few, but there are a number of great organizations that if you study them, um, and there's been studies done on this that have, they've sold out on servant leadership and the things that I like to talk about and their performance is light years ahead of any other companies of the S and P 500 of those 10 companies that Jim Collins talks about in his book, good to great. I mean, it just blows away all of those. So the data will show that servant leadership is, mm. uh, and it's great for people, but it's, uh, it's not easy. It's much, much harder to lead that way. Therefore, people just usually just um, defect, if you will, to positional authority, my way or the highway type leadership. That's where they're comfortable and they go from there. Why, is it, why is it difficult in your experience for companies to, to rethink their model? So it comes down to the individual, right? It's human, human nature says, I'm going to think about myself first and foremost. Mm. And so all my decisions are going to be based on, is this going to be good for me or not? And they will do anything and everything to, you know, do whatever's best for them. Mm -hmm. Servant leadership says, I'm going to think about the greater good of others always first and foremost. And so my decisions are going to be based on their greater good as opposed to my greater good. What you find out as a leader when you do that, your greater good is going to be served because you're serving the greater good of others. But it isn't, I mean, you have to step out of your own human nature that says, I'm thinking about myself. And there's not one of us that can say that, oh, well, that's an easy thing to do. <laughs> I mean, I get up every morning thinking on how I can just help others right. and, and just put myself at the side. It's just not reality. Yeah. And so it really, it takes a group of people that say, we want to lock arms on this. Mm -hmm. We do want to really make this a, you know, great for all of our people. And it's just unbelievable. When, when a leader does get that, that paradigm shift, it totally changes their own personal purpose hmm. around what, why they were, you know, there, why they're a leader and so forth. It's all about you get enjoyment of seeing other people advance as opposed to yourself advance and that type thing. And it's just a really, really wonderful thing. And what I believe is that's significant work. It's, you know, maybe not uh, seen as success. It's significant work. It's the things that people will be talking about on your last dang day and mm. how you help them get to some place where you would, they would have never got if it wasn't for you, yeah. how you were there for them on a, you know, on their toughest days, you know, how you lifted them up through that, you know, all those types of things. That's what people are going to remember. And that's why they're going to want to work for you. The first time we met um, was around some, you know, training videos that we were working on with you uh, to get this out, but you were doing um, I think it was your second round um, of a, and I could be wrong on that number, of uh, taking that concept and translating it to the family model. 
and how to be servant leaders in your home as a family. Um, was that just a natural progression from the business world that this makes a lot of sense in the structure of a family as well? Yeah, that's a great question, Craig. And here's how that came about. At the at, After I had my first year's uh, leadership roundtable group where we it was we definitely focused on the business side of things. We're focused on their professional aspect as a leader. And last session, we just basically threw out this question. I said, so how's everybody doing? How do you feel that you're doing on all these concepts that we talked about through the last seven months? And basically, everybody said, actually, I'm making quite a bit of progress. It's going really, really well. But where I'm really falling short is at home. <laughs> For whatever reason, I get at home and I'm a different person. All of a sudden, I'm not thinking about the greater good of my spouse. I'm not thinking about the greater good of my children. And it's just, and I'm just a wreck, you know, after all day at work. And so we said, you know what, what we're really after is the person as a whole, not just the person who walks through the doors of their business. And so let's really frame this model up for how this can work out for families as well. And it just, you know, took off. And I, it's been so fun to see families transformed and how that looks, you know, for them as they frame up their family's purpose, they frame up their family's values, what their vision is, what they want to create within their family. They get their kids involved in that, the spouses, everybody locks down on what the, the preferred behaviors and values of the family are what the norms are when they're getting together, you know, in meetings and, and, and over the dinner table and all that kind of stuff. And it's just been really fun to see uh, what's happened with that. I even had one family I worked with, their daughters were in uh, grade school and they started, um, the mom and the daughters started a publishing company and they're writing and producing children's books. That's fantastic out of the family wow. portrait uh, experience. It's just really, really neat. That's very cool. All right, moving, kind of let's flip a little bit to more current um, times. 2020 brought with it all kinds of crazy uh, to the business world, to family, to the way we uh, in America and around the world do business uh, and really interact with each other because uh, in most states in America, uh, there was some level of stay away from people um, either a mandate or a suggestion or whatever you want to call it. Um, in this, you know, your, the, the servant leadership model, uh, how do you see that affecting businesses as they grow, uh, as they either continue or not continue? Uh, from your perspective, what has 2020 done um, to business and especially to the servant leader model? Yeah, it hasn't changed the model, um, but what it does is it accents some things that you might have to do differently. So one of the key aspects of servant leadership is being present and approachable as a leader, right? Is being out in the mix. I mean, mm -hmm. where people can truly learn who you are and understand who you are. I mean, I talk about building personal character as a leader. Well, you can't do that from afar. So social distancing really created challenges for that, right? And so, the, so leaders that ran manufacturing organizations used to, as servant leaders, they're out on the floor, plant floor, talking to people, yeah. interacting. How's it going with the family? You know, what's your biggest challenge of the day? That type of thing. And all of a sudden with COVID, they could no longer do that. They had this, I mean, six feet apart, mm -hmm. you have to back, you know, all those types of things. So 
they had to be really get creative on how you go about keeping that personal relationship, presence, approachability, um, you know, aspect of their leadership. And it was so neat to see a lot of the leaders that I work with on their creativity. Uh, one organization, they, they had one day where they basically ha had a deal where they shared everybody's offices from home and what that looked like. And there was some that had set up office in the restroom. There were some in their kids' bedrooms, you know, and it was just, and they got such a, you know, it was such a neat way to, you know, really bring the team together, even in times where you couldn't be together. Mm -hmm. But that, that's, that's a big thing. And the other thing I, I would tell you, Craig, is, is it was more important than ever for leaders to show empathy for what their team members were going through. Right. Because whether it's kids that aren't able to go to school in person and they're having to do the, you know, work from home or the, the schooling from home and all like, I mean, all of a sudden the stress level of their teams were just going up and up and up. And so leaders really had to, you know, to be empathetic and more caring than ever to what people needed you know, to really serve their particular needs at the time. So flexibility was important, um, you know, all those types of things. At the end of the day, what I would tell you is, and this is in my coaching world, a lot of the questions that I'm asking now is coming out of last year, what are your learnings? Right. What are your big key takeaways from, you know, the last year? And it's a lot of really positive things. I mean, some things like, I mean, we found out that we could do things we never thought we could do in a much quicker fashion than we ever had to do before. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it just, it really enabled teams, you know, from a performance standpoint, from a connection standpoint, you know, and all those things, um, you know, coming out of that. So to be from a positive aspect. Did, um <clears throat> talking about the work from home idea and having to switch, you know, really kind of rethink some of these business models. Um, the, what is working from home going to do to the American workforce? Is, is this a law, a lasting, um, and you know, good or bad, I don't know, but is this a, is this something that we're going to have for a while? The idea that as long as you, sh you can, you should be working from home. And, and does that really affect business at a deeper level long-term? Yeah, I believe it does. And I hope that it isn't a permanent thing myself, because one of the key aspects of servant leadership is to build relationships. Mm -hmm. And just it's just a fact of the matter that it's harder to build relationships via Zoom, via, you know, this uh, over the phone, whatever it is, than it is day to day, face to face interaction and so forth, the social nature of that. So my personal feeling is that uh, we will gradually get back to normal and businesses and organizations will want it to be. Though I will tell you the lion's share of my clients really tried to keep things absolutely normal and they kept everybody in their offices while they were they're wearing masks, where they're staying more social distance mm -hmm. or whatever, people still really came into the office for the most part. I had a few that didn't, but those are all, I mean, now that they're migrating back, it's like, holy cow, the energy level of the team just rises. They see it rise just in a great way. And so they see the positive aspect of being face-to-face, -face, you know, interacting on a, a consistent basis. So, but on that, that being said, there's certainly some convenience aspect that <laughs> I think businesses yeah. from the standpoint of 
there's no doubt they will capitalize on, you know, keeping some overhead costs down from office space and that type of thing, where it does make some sense to just work from home. I think we've learned some things that we can do it. And so where it makes sense uh, for sure, but I don't know that there will ever be a uh, substitute for that interaction. Again, you think about Jesus looking at that model. He got up close and personal to everybody, mm -hmm. you know, even people, I mean, with leprosy, people, I mean, you name it, he wasn't staying back from a distance. <laughs> he was getting up close. Right. And, and so that's really what, uh, what it takes to be an effective leader. A little more broad thought process, you know, the, these, uh, lockdowns, the, the response to the, to the pandemic in America, um, you know, there are huge percentages of businesses that will not come back at this point. Uh, just this morning, there was a note locally uh, on our local movie theaters Facebook page where they said this weekend, after this weekend, uh, we're going to be closing. And the question is, well, is that, is that always? Is it just temporary? And the answer is indefinite because there's just not enough business to, to justify staying running. Um, and that's, that's a bummer because we are, you know, it's a little tiny theater in a small town, but it services a huge area of people. Um, but this, the pandemic response has really changed society's mind about going out and being in a, a room with that. Uh, do you see that having much greater consequences, negative consequences uh, going forward to society in general, the, these lockdowns? I, you know, that there's every possibility for that to be the case, Craig. I mean, I, I, I just feel so horrible for the hospitality industry and entertainment industry. I mean, the, what you mentioned, I mean, movie theaters mm -hmm. and so forth and restaurants. I mean, you think about that um, and it's just, I mean, totally outside of their control, they got their organization shut down. Uh, so I guess I'm very hopeful and I still hold out hope that it will come around and, and we'll be back to, you know, some semblance of, of order and normal. Mm -hmm. um, uh, it's my hope. I would tell you from a work uh, opportunity standpoint, there's as many uh, organizations that have benefited from the COVID that there is, you know, that have gone down. So just in our community, I'm from Alexandria, Minnesota, we uh, have a heavy intensive uh, aspect of manufacturing and in particularly uh, packaging industry, mm -hmm. manufacturing food packaging, mm -hmm. they can't find enough help. Really? Right. I mean, it's we have we have way more jobs in our community than we have people uh, because we have one organization that is making equipment for uh, COVID testing. Uh, <laughs> and they've they've been asked to, you know, increase their output by 10 times what they normally did. Well, holy cow, all of a sudden they need, you know, hundreds more people and all that kind of stuff. And so. There's definitely places for, if you're willing to be flexible to kind of uh, re-equip uh, yourself mm -hmm. from the standpoint of what you like to do, uh, I think there's going to be plenty of work to be done. But I also believe that, you know what, at the end of the day, people still, they love to go out to eat. They love to, you know, go for entertainment, you know, and that type of thing. And I just believe that we will get back to, uh, to that. And to your point, it's very variable all over the country. I mean, there's places 
my son and daughter-in-law just got back from Florida and they said they didn't even recognize anything was different. <laughs> All restaurants are wide open. Mm -hmm. Everything's going great guns and people are just enjoying things like nothing was any different. Yeah. Um, so I do think that we'll get back to uh, some semblance of order there. And, and that's my hope and prayer. What I do know is that God is still on the throne. Jesus is still in charge and uh, he will carry the day and the, the battle is his. And I rest comfortably every day knowing that. <laughs> Excellent. Um, the thinking of business in small town specifically, how important is uh, a main street in quotes, you know, that, that main street business climate uh, to, to keeping a community uh, viable and vibrant? I think it's absolutely huge. I mean, we had Alexandria had one of our main historic buildings in the last year burned down. Mm. And there was three or four of our, uh, you know, local businesses that lost their buildings. And it just creates such a, it was right on our main street and it creates such a hole. I mean, and it's a hurt, it's a pain, you know, and so forth for not just those people, but the entire community. Yeah. Because your main street is the soul, right? The soul of your community. It's the vibrancy. It's where everybody does get together and, and uh, that type thing. So communities like Millbank, like Alexandria, like the, these smaller, you know, a uh, little more rural communities, it is absolutely critical. And that's why I've seen, I mean, our, the business community that I talk about that's so vibrant here in Alexandria, mm -hmm. just uh, two weeks ago, they just raised $42,000 to give to all of the laid off restaurant workers in town. Wow. They threw gift cards mm -hmm. to, uh, to restaurants, through all kinds of stuff. They just said, you know what, we're going to support these people because we do not want to lose them. We want them right where they were, you know, when this comes back. And so there's all kinds of that activity going on. And that's where when I see you know, so many leaders that have a heart for servant leadership. And that's what happens is not only do they not think about, you know, they think about the greater good of their team, but also their community. Yeah. And how can we lift up our community and what can, what can that look like? And, um, and that happened within one week. That was an idea of one individual who said, you know what, I was just talking to a restaurant owner and he was worried that his people that he's had to lay off were not even going to have a Christmas dinner. Wow. And we said, you know what? That's unacceptable. And we spread the word, got at $42,000, went to, you know, local uh, restaurants, bought their gift cards. So we supported them with that money, mm -hmm. give it, gave it to the people. I mean, just all kinds of, of um, you know, examples of how we use that. And we basically gave them two boxes of food, gift cards. And, and a letter saying, you know, we just so appreciate you. Thank you for what you're doing. And hand-delivered them. It was to 500 people. That's fantastic. Um, where can people find your uh, specific information and follow you? Uh, are, are you out there on the social medias uh, as your leadership coaching? Or uh, what's the best place for people to find you? Yeah, the best place, Craig, is triuneleadershipservices.com. Uh, that has all my contact information on it. That has my Facebook uh, page on it, my LinkedIn page and that type thing. Uh, but that's the, that's the best spot. And that's really, you can gain an understanding of the services that, um, you know, that I provide and uh, work with people on to 
really helped them become that leader that uh, I believe they were born to be. Hmm. And uh, it's just uh, really fun. But that is the best, uh, the best central spot to okay. uh, find that. Perfect. Um, one before I let you go, so you can catch your uh, your your car to your flight. Um, tell me about maple syrup. <laughs> now you're talking about my passion. Nice. <laughs> so I do have a hobby. I'm a I'm a firm believer that uh, you know, as a servant leader, you need to take care of yourself. Extreme self care is a big time part of servant leadership because mm-hmm. as as servant leaders. We are always thinking about the greater good of others. Well, what do we shortchange ourselves? And if we're doing that, then we're not being the best for those people that we serve. So I'm a huge advocate of uh, extreme self-care, body, mind, and spirit, those three things. Well, part of that is having things that you enjoy to do on the side, hobbies and things like that. And one of my hobbies is is to produce maple syrup. I Every year in the spring, uh, I tap about 110 trees wow. and uh, end up uh, producing about 30 gallons of pure maple syrup that uh, I have the opportunity to, again, share with people because, it, again, and that's a healthy alternative to sugar, which, again, goes <laughs> to the extreme self-care. Yeah. It's just an absolute creation from God, and uh, it's just really, really a fun activity to do with your friends, your family, your grandchildren. Um, you know, after uh, after the winter to get out in the woods and bang around the woods and then uh, throw that sap on an open fire and smell that maple syrup uh, smell coming up as it's <laughs> boiling. Just really a lot of fun. So do you just wander about the public woods to find these trees or do you have a do you have land? No, I yeah, I have 75 acres okay. of woods uh, right here on the edge of town. And uh, so. Yeah, and have a sugar shack, you know, right there that uh, where we boil it all down and then uh, filter it and bottle it. And it's uh, it's by no means a huge business. It's more of a uh, fun hobby and so forth and that type of thing. But it's it's definitely a lot of work, but it's fun work. It's a labor of love. It's uh, just an absolute blast to uh, do and to uh, share with people, not only in the uh, con- consuming of the syrup, but in the production of mm. it, too. It's just really Sitting around the fire playing cribbage with a good friend and uh, or your sons, uh, there's nothing nothing better than that. It's like moonshine of the north. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Maple syrup. That's right. Nice. That's what you might think when somebody passes by and sees the steam right. wafting out of the uh, wafting they, out of the barn. What are they there. making over there? Uh, yeah. do, do can people buy it from you, or is it all spoken for? How, how do you do that? Is that something that's yeah? Available? So locals, I don't ship it uh, is the main thing. But locals, I definitely I have uh, a lot of people that every year they just wait. They can't wait for uh, the new batch to come out, and then they they do buy it. Uh, yes. Yeah. So again, if you are fairly local or in the area anytime, you can just touch base with me and uh, I can get you hooked up with some pure maple syrup for sure. How long have you been doing this? Uh, this will be my eighth season uh, this upcoming year. I've done it seven years. And uh, so it's the eighth season of being a uh, farmer. <laughs> o- over the eight years, um, does the the consistency, the, the amount you get um, and the flavor, does that change year over year? Is it pretty consistent? Yeah, I have not found the flavor to to really change much at all. It can, I mean, the amount of, um, you know, sweetness in it can alter. They say the sugar content can vary a little bit from year to year. What varies, Craig, is the amount of output Mm. because you're totally dependent on the weather. 
And so I've had years as low as where I've only produced about 10 gallons of syrup up to years, a normal years between 25 and 30. What, what does it and take raw yeah. sap to get a gallon? How much, what's the ratio? So, so 40 gallons of sap gives you one gallon <laughs> wow. of syrup. So it's a lot of boiling down. And what happens is the sap only runs on days that it gets up above 32 degrees during the day mm -hmm. and then goes back down below 32 at night. So however long of a time in the springtime that you have where your temperature is varying above 32 and back below 32, that's the only days that it runs. So it has to so, drop back down every night. Yeah, because what that's telling the tree then, well, it's not yet spring, so the sap's going back down into oh. the ground. And so, and so it's making it go back up. It, it, when it gets above 32, oh, I think it's spring. We need to start heading up the tree <laughs> and then down if it doesn't. So that's really what happens, you know, in that process. And so if you get, you know, six, seven, eight days of that, you'll have, uh, you know, a very short season. If you get three weeks of that, you have a more normal, longer season. Wow. I'll have to come up and check out that operation. That'd be really fun just to, it is to see fun. what you're doing it's, there. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. I mean, bringing school kids out and all that kind of stuff to just see, because it truly is. It's God's creation. You just look at this sap coming out of the tree. You throw it on an open fire boiling, you know, and so forth. You boil it down 40 gallons down to one. And the next thing you know, you've got syrup, you know, and it's just, it's a fascinating thing. You don't add one thing, not one. Mm. All you do is boil down and it's incredible. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. Well, who knew? L leadership <laughs> coach and maple syrup cooker. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mark, I appreciate your time so much. I don't want to keep you any longer. You need to get on the road, but uh, have a safe journey down to the warm land, uh, whatever. So um, let's do this again. As we get farther into this year, um, I'd love to have you back on and let's talk about, you know, where, where things are. And as, as we're coming out of 20 into 21, you know, what that's looking like business wise and just as a society. Uh, I'd love to get your take on that as we get farther into the new year. Absolutely. Craig, I can't tell you what a pleasure it's been to uh, be a guest on your great show. And uh, thanks for all you do for uh, the impact that you have on the local community there. I know you're just a huge, huge supporter of Millbank and all that you're doing there and just really lift you up for your great work and what you're doing. It's awesome. Well, thank you. It's fun. We, we like it. It's a, it's a fun little place to live. Uh, and I love the fact that in 2021, uh, we can connect with people from around the world and have these conversations and we don't have to travel to do that. And so, you know, we can, we can enjoy the, the free speech that we have uh, from anywhere. And I love that. So right on. Th th thanks, thanks for being a part of this. Um, and we will see you on the next one. Have, um, have a safe journey. And, uh, thanks, a, Greg. Say hello to your wife for us, and we'll talk you next time. You do the same, as well as all your beautiful children. Absolutely, we'll do it. Thank you so much for coming on. Have a great day. Mark Dieterding, triuneleadershipservices.com is the website. Uh, check them out. This is whymillbank.com. This is the interview podcast. If you have any questions or comments, whymillbank at gmail.com is the email address. We'd love to hear from you. Um, as always, stay healthy, check on your neighbors, uh, and come back for the next one. Have a great day. Thank you so much for listening. See you later. <laughs>